Welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Podcast. Ross Carl here with James Parsons and uh, Bryn Hall. And boys, we're getting close to some test footy. James, you must be excited. Oh, I'm frothing. Especially after that North versus South game, the quality of that. So test match footy is only going to be a step up. So it's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm the same. I've seen all the, obviously, on the commercials and all the dates are set now. So, yeah, I think as a consumer, for me, fan of the All Blacks, I'm really looking forward to seeing them. And there's obviously a lot of young fellas that are coming through and that have been selected in that squad. So it's going to be a great opportunity to see those young men and um, you see how they handle um, Test footy in you know, the next coming months. It kind of all feels a little bit surreal, like this isn't really happening. You know, like there's all this stuff that's happened and new this norm. is 2020. Yeah, totally. Totally. You know, we're going to have crowds next week. You know? Yeah, I think, I reckon that because there's been so much sort of, I'll call it debating um, off the rugby field around getting to the point of where we're playing it, how it's been played, things like that. You, you sort of, it has crept up even on myself that, you know, we're two weeks out um, of seeing Test Match footy on a Sunday afternoon, all black footy as well on a Sunday yeah, afternoon. Yeah. It's like going back in time. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty amazing. I'm going to order that Domino's real soon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> get that ready to go. But, I mean, it looks pretty phenomenal. But, well, they've got something to juggle, don't they? You know, they've got to have a squad and then they've got to have another squad ready to go to Australia in a couple of weeks' time. They've got to add 11 players to what they've already got. How do you go about creating a 46-man squad, like, what positions do you change and, and how do you go about making it so you don't have just people sitting around for long periods of time in Australia? Yeah, I mean, I suppose form has to come into it. Um, you you know, you don't want to just go um, all out, maybe guys that have had experience of all black footy. I think form's crucial and uh, no other player, I suppose, more than most has put their hand up in Lachlan Boshier. You know, he didn't get a run in the north versus south. Um, and I, I think someone like him might be knocking on the door. Similar to Luke Jacobson for Waikato, he's going extremely well. Um, so there's there's boys in and around that um, that, are, that are knocking on the door. But I think most of it, they'll probably add one more prop, which you know, would potentially be Gus Brun, do you reckon? Um, and then at Hooker, I think, you know, Ash Dixon's just knocking down the door, isn't he? I mean, oh, another just big shift on the weekend. He's, um, mate, he's just continued that form from Super Rugby, hasn't he? Yeah, it's um, and, um, if there's ever one that's deserving, you know, the guy that's played his trade for a long time, and man, the 2020 has been an awesome year for him. So, but it'd be great for a guy like that to get an opportunity. I think to go back to Ross's first point is how do you manage a squad of 45? You know, have someone like that in there that mm. has leadership qualities, has an ability to drive, I suppose, the team outside the team, um, yeah. to bring yeah. that intensity at training and things like that, I think, you know, he can play a massive part of that and mm. so could someone like Angus Tarvel, you know, like those two boys could be key in running that sort of mm. non-23 to prepare them best. Yeah, because you can go one or two ways. You can have the, because you obviously need maybe possibly specialist positions as well with that 11 and then you can have a, an experience, um, I guess a balance of having a couple of experienced players like you've talked about, but then maybe some young guys as well. Yeah. The young I, guys that... um that are ready, or not ready, sorry, but I guess you're right, they might be holding a tackle bag for a while, but being in that environment and then training for that amount of time, um, I think it would only benefit them as well. So they can go either way, to be honest. Yeah. On on that, though, as well, like young guys that are putting their hand up in my team cup, you know, a couple for me, and not being biased, Tom Robinson, like when he's on the field, man, he's just so destructive, but then has 
his ability to add a bit of finesse to his game on the edge, he's starting to interplay and really grow in that part. Mm. Can cover lock six, so good mm. squad member. Devin Flanders had a huge shift against Canterbury and his physical defence, you know, he's driving guys back that are trying to run down his channel just relentlessly. And then at lock, you've got a guy, uh, Manaki Salvi Rickett, who's, you know, really driving yeah, the force with Tony Lamborn. Yeah, and that south impact. Josh Goodhue, um, I thought was another big shift. And, and then you've got Scott Scrafton. So there's enough sort of guys that haven't played all black rugby that are hovering in and around and performing a minor 10 cup. Because I agree with you, Brent. I think you do need that rewarded form. I really like the angle Dave Rennie's taking. He's just constantly talking about I'm picking form, I'm picking yep. form. You know, and, and that puts pressure on guys that have played rugby as well. Yep. And then if you pick on form, you know that they're in a good shape so that they can put that pressure on. And then you're only going to foster, no pun intended, yeah. what um, I have, better, what I, better intensity what, in the squad. What I have enjoyed as well is that, you know, I guess for those positions that, that we're talking about, it adds a, another feel when it comes to the minor team cup. You know, you're actually playing for selection during that that minor team cup, and you you yeah. obviously get it at the back end of the year with that November period. But but now you know you're in season, and you know based on form, you know that could be a um, potentially a, a spot on the All Blacks as well. So I think for me as a player, you, if you think about it, you know with those, um, I guess that team and that eleven that are going to be named, it's only going to drive you to try and play better for your province, and you know your province is probably going to be the benefits of that as well. So. Um, I think it's great, mate. I think it's is, really good. There's one game back, Dave Harvilli, surely. Like, <sighs> mate, he was unbelievable on the weekend. Mate. Like, he yeah, is seriously. Like, his game management's as good as a 10. I, I think he could go into the squad that could cover 10, 12, 15. Yeah. You know, mate, his kicking game with his, you know, running game, like, oh. But oh, mate. He's, you don't have to. You don't have to. Yeah, I'm, I'm already on that horse. I think the biggest the biggest thing that I love about Dave is that um, he has that versatility as well. And, um, you know, he's done it at Crusaders. He played 10 this year when Richie was injured and he's played 12 at the early part of his career and, you know, he's been outstanding at fullback for the last three years with us. So I think if we're talking around 11 people in that squad that uh, have that versatility, which, you know, the All Blacks, which the All Blacks love. And, you know, you think about Tasman, you lose a guy like Will Jordan, who's been in probably one of the form fullbacks in the country, not just in Super Rugby, but in Mighty 10 Cup. And you get David Harvilli scoring yeah, three you, tries. And having you're replacing with the guy that's probably been the form fullback for the last, you know, two years at Mighty Team yep. Cup and Super Rugby level, you know? Yeah, like, mate. Yeah. If, if, he'd if be the first a, name on the sheet for me. Yeah, if there's, ever, if there's ever a guy that's deserving um, through consistency of week to week and what he brings, not just on the field, but leadership skills and um, his professionalism, you know, he's a guy that, you know, you definitely got off for me personally. Yeah, he's got to be in that, in that level or there or thereabouts. That probably goes back to your point about Ash Dixon and Angus Tarva. He's a guy yeah. that you could have in the 46 or whatever it is um, yep. who could add, add that as well. Yeah, exactly. But also, you know, that's not to just take away from those guys and say that's all their role would be. They have the ability to play, you know, as well. So it's, and like, I just thought him on the weekend, you know, after a bit of a break and, you know, pretty serious by the sounds, Bryn, mm. like, he yep. just comes back and delivers a shift like that against. We'd say Waikato were potentially the form equal form team going into that yep. game, and I know they were away from home, but you know he made it. He made light work of it. And I think it comes back to as well that with Dave, he you know loves being back home, um, and you know they've got a pretty successful, um, pretty successful team down there at the moment. It's just it hasn't just been built overnight, and you know I always when I always talk to the Tassie boys, they love they love going back down there, and not only for the rugby, but um, the place that they're living, and um, I guess the the kind of culture and um, success that they've brought down there. So, 
know, when you're happy and, you know, for him, he plays a big part in that community down there. It's, um, you know, playing happy and free. And then at the same time, being in a good team, um, you've seen how good um, David Harvillier was on the weekend and, you know, probably for the foreseeable future in the, in the competition, which hopefully doesn't, which hopefully doesn't come this week because we're playing Tasman this week. So, Davey, I hope you have an absolute <laughs> shocker, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hope you're no good. Get in the All Black squad right now. Oh, <laughs> mate, just, just take a week off, Cobb. Take a week off. You've got nothing more to prove this week, mate. Yeah, just rest on that. Rest on that. Another guy that we need to be mindful as well, and looking at that first five position, you know, Josh Uone, I think, you know, he's coming into his own. But Mitch Hunt, you know, he was in that north-south picture as a back three member as well. So, he must be knocking on the door as well, you know, behind a good pack and, and a form yep. team, but also how he delivered for the Highlanders. I don't know how yeah. you saw yeah, I thought I, mean, I thought Josh Ryan was outstanding, and he was a big part of why they won that Ranfurly Shield. And um, you know, the one thing I love about Josh, and I've said it before on the podcast, you know, his his attacking flair and his running ability just brings another dimension into not only Otago, but um, you know, we saw it at Super Rugby level as well. So, you know, if he can keep continuing to do that and um, continue his game management like he did on the weekend in a, in a pretty, you know, a pretty convincing win against a, a good Taranaki side minus the Barretts, but. You know, he still ran the cutter and played a, a really good game. And then Hunty, Hunty again, he's you know he's been playing well, played well for the start of the year with the Highlanders. And then you know this is probably his third or fourth campaign um, when Marty Banks left, and he you know, controls the cutter well down there. And he's a big cog in their wheel of why they've been so successful. So it'd be interesting interesting to see what type of first five that they, they want. You know, I know Josh has been in the environment, um, and you know Hunty's been consistent, very similar to Davy. Throughout uh, modern ten cup, they could take especially. all three though, couldn't they? Well, well yeah, they could yeah, take three. yeah, but they could, mate. So, you know, the, the best thing about playing well is you get yourself in that conversation, and you know, I presume that those two boys will be consistently playing uh, pretty good rugby again. Mitchell Hunt, hope you go, hope you go shit this week. So, love you, Dan. <laughs> love you, Dan. <laughs> um, well, one of the positions you mentioned before, oh, you've mentioned a few of the guys who play that position: Lachlan Bashir, uh, Luke Jacobson. The number six position in the All Blacks is one of those ones which is probably of the most interest. Have any of those guys maybe come close enough to maybe make Ian Foster rethink the way he might go at six, seven, eight? I mean, everyone's just presuming that it's going to be Sam Kane, Artie, and Shannon Frizzell, or Sam Kane, Artie, and um, Hoskins Satutu, you know, like in some mix of six, seven, eight, however they decide to put them together. But have we seen performances? And can you take a performance from Mitre 10 Cup and go, okay, that's good enough to change my thinking? Uh, I don't think it'll change his thinking because he, he'll be pretty... He selected those guys for a reason and they've been pulled out of Mighty 10 Cup. So, you know, it's, it's pretty clear that they, they'll go with him. But I think guys like Luke Jacobson, Tom Robinson, Lachlan Boshier have all put their hands up. And then another guy that I think potentially is a wild card, but again, going down the experience route, is Gareth Evans coming back on the weekend. He came off the bench. He's pretty good for... Um, you know, Hawks Bay, but he's been exceptional for the Hurricanes, you know, for the last few years when he's been able to get on the field. He's a good line-out option, he's good yep. defensively, and he's, and he's an abrasive, ball-carrying, you know, sort of 6'8", and, and defender. So, hmm. again, fitting that mould of, you know, that leadership ability and that ability to, I suppose, be driven enough to potentially train for nine weeks without a game. Um, I think, yeah, I think one guy that I've enjoyed at their number six role as well, and he had an outstanding um, North First South game, was Tom Sanders. Mm-hmm. And I think he's just continued that form of um, and getting that confidence of, of playing week to week footy. And no, sort of got yeah. outplayed on the weekend, though. I yeah. Flanders and um, 
uh, Brendan O'Connor, and I can't remember who, who they had at six. Um, but that, that Hawks Bay loose forward trio was, they, mm. were, they, were, they were into it. Yeah, they were. And I, I like that you said Flanders as well, Jip, because, yeah, I thought that was one guy that I thought really stood up in, in, that, in that game. And as you know, mate, when it comes to winning those kind of games against especially teams like Canterbury, winning it up front is, is pretty crucial around there. And I thought oh. he was, he was, mate, he was outstanding. Mickey Ives, uh, um, too, was at six. Yeah, Marino. so... Yeah, so a good man. They were good. He's another one. Even, yeah, but I was just going to say, even, 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 even him. Yes. You know, even, even Marino. You know, he played well at um at Super Rugby. He was dominant. You know, he was right up there when it came to ball carries and offloads, and and so he was very yeah. dominant in that Super Rugby Aotearoa. And you know, I he's totally, a guy that... I totally agree with you, Sanders. I didn't mean to take away from that mm. point because I thought he was exceptional in that North vs South mm. game, and probably put himself on the map when he probably wasn't beforehand, which was the mm. that yeah opportunity. But he's behind a you know a different sort of type five at the moment. You know, there was a young kid who's come out to Blues, Sam Derry in there. Um, Klein, I don't know if you've had much to do with him, the hooker. Yeah, Shiloh, um, yep. Yeah, Jaeger coming back, you know, and then they brought in some young guys and that probably lost them the game as the young guys they brought in, they got penalised scrum, piggybacked down, they got done in a mall, got mm. penalty again into the corner, mall try. Yep. And I'll tell you what, mate, that's very uncharacteristic of Canterbury. And that's, yeah, you know, but it's a young type five. It is. It is. they haven't experienced for a long time. It is. And, um, well, as you can see, we, traditionally, or not traditionally, probably say the last two years, that Hawks Bay forward pack with Ash Dixon getting those tries at yeah. the back, but obviously driving those standards when it comes to the line-out moors, which is such a weapon for them. Oh, and um, that Tom Parsons in the middle, I'll tell you. He goes good, doesn't he? Parsons? Hey. He goes player, of the day, player of the day, <laughs> big occasion. Give the man a super contract, would you? Yeah, nice boy. Actually, that's interesting. I didn't realise. Uh, so he's your brother, Tom uh, Parsons, cousin. Cousin. Because I, I, was, I was watching it, and I was like, hey, is there a similarity there? I didn't actually yeah, yeah. know that he was related to it. No, no, yeah, yeah. He's he's been going good for a number of years. Um, he went up to Japan for a bit. Played for the Shiba this year. And obviously, with COVID, came back. Goes good, mate. I've been trying to get commentary into him, but. <laughs> We've got too many good lucks at the Blues. And he's used to service from Ash Dixon, mate. Apparently the best line-up thrower in the country. Oh, mate, I, I agree. Like, like, Ash Dixon, like, he, he even had an off night the other night. I think he overthrew two, which is very unlike him. So we'll probably blame Tom for that. <laughs> <laughs> they always say everyone blames the hooker, but often it's someone oh, else's yeah. fault. You know? It's always the lifters. Put it down to the lifters. <laughs> Um, I suppose one of the things about, I mean, if you mentioned he's just come back from Japan, that he's one of those guys is he, who's come back because of COVID. And we've seen a bunch of those guys. Um, Simon Hickey played well in his 50th ball mm, on the weekend. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. I saw Lalangi Visinia playing mm. as well. Yeah, um, guys like that who've come back. Yeah, well, it's, it's, I think it's great for us. Like When we first started out, or when I first started out, but even you to a point, Bryn, mm. there was a lot of senior guys around. It wasn't like, you know, when you came into the squad, you came in and like around that academy sort yep. of vibe and, and you really had to sort of earn your right. But then what that did for you is when you got your chance, you were good enough to take it. Whereas yep. sometimes like using rugby is pretty ruthless because we have so much depth. If you don't take your chance, you can be forgotten about pretty quickly. Um, yep. So I think it's great for the game. You know, you see guys like Adam Thompson running around with a guy like, um, say, Xavier Rowe, who's, you know, killing it at nine, a mm. uh, young halfback, but having the ability to hit guys like him or 
talk to guys like him and, and you know Luke Jacobson and like to be fair, even Mitch Jacobson's going unreal. Like that Waikato yeah. pack's doing really well. And I think, you know, you just gotta look at um, I suppose Jacob Norris from Tasman. Uh, Tasman. He's he's going really well, but he's surrounded by a lot of senior men, you know, and and it, it allows them to grow and just focus on themselves. But also, he's probably been in and around that squad for a number of years, and now it's his opportunity and he's ready to go. Yeah. Um, who else is there? I think AJ Land's the same. He's been in and around the Auckland squad, and now he's just finding his own feet, and he's just a live wire winger. Um, so I, I think it's great for our game. I think it creates strength, but also allows the guys for when they do get the opportunity, they take it and they perform so that they don't get you know, left behind after putting in three or four years of graph. Yeah, I think what I've really enjoyed as well is that, you know, you hear a lot of stories of, of old boys coming out, like like Thompson and um, even Liam Messam and, you know, those kind of caliber players. But, yeah, I've really enjoyed seeing, you know, guys that have kind of gone away at an early age and then have come back now, like the likes of Simon and, and Lungy. Like it's quite good that we see Simon um, comes comes around a little bit to the flat. And I guess talking around, talking to him and him coming back and, you know, he said he just, he wanted to, wanted to come back and just miss the kind of experience of what it is to play New Zealand rugby. And you, and you take that for granted. And I think when you're at a younger age, and I guess, you know, for him, it happened so fast. You know, we were very similar. We came in at the same time and, you know, we were, what, 20, what were we, 20, 21, running the, running the cutter for the Blues back in the day. Yes. And then we were real young. Haven't so, aged, you know? mate. Haven't aged a minute. Yeah. I was looking at that video the other day. I was like, yeah, on Botox? Yeah, exactly, mate. So it's, you know, I, I guess for a guy like that who it happened so fast and to come back and, you know, to experience the world and to go to France and go to Edinburgh and then, to come back home and um, I guess players trade back into minor ten cup, and I guess it's more so. Do I the question? You know, do I still have it? Am I still able to to play it at this level? And even though you know it's minor ten cup, but you know, as we know in New Zealand rugby, time moves on very fastly without you. And so when you're gone away from the game for X amount of years, you think, shit, you know, have I still got it, or do I still have the ability to play here? So um, it's about it. X amount of months, mate. Every two seconds, I get, oh, so what are you doing now? You've retired. I'm like, I'm not retired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give oh, the old dad a break. Yeah. Well, mate, you're doing that well on commentary, mate. That's why, you know, I see you every uh, game, mate. So, mate, you uh, transitioning, uh, mate. Thank you. But, thank um, you. but um, yeah, I think it's it's great to see those those kind of players coming back and, um, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, they can continue in the future. Yeah, just on that. Guys just below Sorry. that. Yeah, the guys oh. who would have been in the squad but now aren't. What does it mean for those guys? Oh, I just, I, like I said before, I think it's a good thing. Like when you have to earn something, it means so much more, and it puts you in a better position to perform when you get the chance. Like, like I, I was one of those guys when I was coming through, and yeah, I was frustrated. But um, you know, like I reckon if I'd been given the chance when I thought I was ready, I wasn't ready. If that makes sense, so. It, it's it's actually setting them up to succeed rather than setting them up to hope to succeed or fail, if that makes sense. Um, and, and like, I think, you know, I took a lot out of what that piece you did on Simon Hickey, uh, Ross, the other day. Um, you know, like he even said, I don't think I was ready. You know, I look back now and I don't think I was ready. And that says a lot, you know, like that shows how much he's grown and, and learned uh, about himself, but also about the game of rugby overseas. And now, I didn't even realise, like, watching that, I was, I was like, holy heck, you know, he's coming back to have this genuine crack. You know, he's not here to make up the numbers, mm. which, man, you know, a guy of that experience, the guy of that ability to want to come back here and prove himself mm. shows where our game's at. 
but also shows, you know, how exciting it is for the depth of New Zealand. That's what I love, Jip. That's what I love about it because, you know, you hear a lot of stories, like I said, you hear a lot of stories of old guys coming back and, and giving back and, you know, wanting to obviously, I guess, move into the transition of their next careers around after footy. But, man, I love a guy like that, man, who, you know, did really well in the age grade groups, reps, and then came and, you know, shot into stardom pretty quickly and then obviously uh, went into doing a different direction. But coming back with that same um, hunger and, you know, because he's been around a couple of times to our flat and you can just sense it in his voice. It's more of like a, I guess just an awareness of, of what of what his journey was, but then, you know, still having the urge at a young age, he still feels that he can give back and play at a high level. So, man, I love it. I love seeing it. So, I mean, on top of that point, over the time since Simon, you know, when he was 21, got, you know, got pushed away, have we developed a better form of developing young guys like that who are, who are sprung up so quickly and, and have to learn the school of hard knocks, especially at a position like 10? where you're learning how to play the game at the top level in the most important position almost. Um, you know, have we, have we developed the way that we treat these young guys now to make sure that they are better developed over time and not kicked to the curb? Not yet, I don't think. I don't think there's the... the no, it hasn't been nailed down, you know, and the reason I say that probably is I, I would have probably answered it differently had I not read what Rico said the other day. Um, I think he did an article with Patrick McKendry and, um, you know, said he had a schoolboy mentality and, and he hadn't, he wasn't prepared to experience being dropped from the All Blacks and, and you know, how he sort of rebuilt himself and fought his way back. Um, so to hear that, it's, you know, someone that talented, um, you know, and so young, we probably haven't got it right yet in, in preparing guys for what failure does look like when, you know, for a lot of them, you know, Simon was the same, you know, schoolboy rugby and that age grade stuff, they were a step ahead of everyone, really. So I, I think I think that's the group that we probably need to prepare maybe for if it doesn't go right a little bit better. Because the grafters are just grafters. Like, they'll graft at school and they'll just graft the whole way through, you know. So there's no, there's no real surprise of failure there's almost surprise of success, if, mm -hmm. if anything, and, and everyone. And then because when they get successful, they've had so much hard work to get there, they're like, well, I'm not going to fuck it up now, so I'm going to work harder. And, and that's their pathway, you know. But whereas when you're up here and you're the kingpin, there's only one way to go if it doesn't go right, you know what I mean? So it's preparing um, people. And I suppose it's quite fitting after, um, you know, it's been Mental Health Awareness Week last week in Monitor and Cup, and, and that's, I think that's an area where we can grow and, and prepare our young men a little bit better. Um, victims of your own talent, is that the kind of thing? You've got to make sure that the guys who are so far ahead of the game don't learn from the school of hard knocks, don't get that second season syndrome, don't get that stuff that comes at them. It just, well, yeah, it just depends. It depends, really. It depends the kind of progression of where they're going to from that, so... I think, you know, with First 15 Rugby, which is, I think it's great, you know, you get a great um, chance to be on TV and being exposed into that stuff, whether it's good or bad. You know, some people might say it's really good, but then some other people would say, you know, oh, it might be better to go into the club system and, you know, graft your way through that to get into professional rugby. But with the day and age it is now, it's, you know, it's pretty much reality now. You, if you're playing well at First 15, you get given a, um, you know, a modern cup contract or an academy system straight away. So one thing that I have seen that's done pretty well at, at that kind of level is around um, the I'll take the like Crusaders Academy, uh, for, like for an example. Now their, their turnover around um, bringing a group of men, young men from school, um, or wherever they're bringing them from New Zealand, 
and giving them a clear plan around what it looks like and their success rate of them putting out mighty 10 cut players is, is in the 80% to 90% range. So I think it's not just based on talent, but they're giving them the tools. And I think what's important for young guys coming through is giving them tools to be able to succeed at first and foremost and have a good um, base and work ethic and, and whatever the character build, whatever the, they want to have it as. But I think to give them a, a support system around if things don't go right, what's your resilience like? When, when you put in those difficult situations, how can you come out of it? Because I question if that's been done at school. You know, you look at a lot of Auckland, a lot of the Auckland rugby teams, um, sorry, the school, school boys, school boys stars, and then they just struggle when they get into that um, super rugby kind of realm because it's not just based on skill. It's based on mentally and collectively. It's not just based on raw talent. So um, I think there are avenues that you can do. And um, yeah, I guess that's just my experience I've had when I've had down south with those young guys coming through and then succeeding uh, pretty quickly. So the schools maybe are pumping them up a little bit too much. I think the schools need to keep them grounded and keep them understanding where they're at and, and what's to come. Yeah, I, I, well, I think so. I think it's just the day and age, really. Like it's going to happen. You've got not only have you got rugby coming coming to them, you've got rugby league, and so that exposure, um, which is great, but it's tough at the same time. So having the support systems, whether it be they're going to have their family, which is great, um, but then having a support base of whatever it looks like to make sure that um, they've given clear goals to be realistic around what the expectations are, and I guess trying to grow them not just based on their ability but trying to get them better outside of rugby and um certain certain traits that you need at super rugby level and modern cup level mm. the one guy who kind of went through that was Mahanonu, right he made the all blacks 2003 and then suddenly he was off the radar for a while and then he came back to become you know arguably our best second five ever um he's still playing at 37 years of age um and he's learned a lot i mean he looks after his body he obviously is a fantastic player. He's now got a contract to go back to France and play again. Can you believe that? I can, because it was only a year ago he was playing for us and carving, really, and didn't miss a training session. You know, like, his body's in great nick, but I think the biggest shift these days is exactly that. Like, athletes know how to look after their body. Mm. They know what they need to prepare, and I think coaches and clubs are better at managing older athletes and understanding that they're not always going to be on the grass, you know, yep. but when it comes to getting on the field and delivering, they will. Um, so I think there's been growth in all areas of the business to allow guys to uh, play on a little bit longer. You know, we had DC in our environment this year and you know, he's, he's still carving like, although he didn't play, but at training, you know, you know, he's still got it. He's still got the finesse and the timing. So, I think a lot of it's to do around the professionals they are and the way they look after their body, but yeah. also the clubs they go to, um, you know, and the way they look after them. You know, you speak to Jerome um, and the way he is at Toulouse, like he's still carving and absolutely smashing and belting blokes. Um, but, you know, he just loves it there. He loves the environment. He loves the way the club looks after him and his family. And that's all part of it, you know, and then age is really, literally, I know it's stupid, but age is really just a number if you're happy and you're still playing well. Mm. Yeah. Um, says, so says the 33. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it feels like 25 years into professional rugby, maybe there's a maturation that's going on. Um, teams and systems and countries are starting to figure out how to keep going and, and what it means to keep an athlete in the top of his career for a long time. Because you look at the NBA, 
and you know like vince carter only just retired mm. you know and yeah. these guys can keep on giving yeah well, it's, yeah it's down to your own motivation isn't it if, if it's down to the individual but the the one thing that you know wears you out the most probably is just the men mental prep and, and things yeah. like that you know physically it's not so much um i don't believe an issue like as long as you're, you're healthy physically it's just you know keeping that motivation um to want to keep performing and loving your job and i think the guys that we've mentioned uh you know just love footy and they love mm. uh playing but also they love helping out like Mar was exceptional and you know our group dan was the same like dc was just amazing in the way he was helping others and you know there'd be days i'd see him just training um you know, him training but then Jack Hyten training alongside of him you know chatting and, and talking mm. and you know, it's a young heart of 10 12 and um, have their experience in and around a squad and and that almost like a coach they're playing still but they also got the ability to coach yep. which I think is another growth Mate. in, in yep. the businesses these senior players are now being seen valuable in the sense that yeah they can play say 50 percent 60 percent of the games but they can also you know yep. be on the grass helping coach I had, like, mate, that's 100% agree with that. I think of an example of that for us, like a guy like Tim Bateman, who didn't play didn't play a lot of footy for us in his, in his three years that he's with us, but we seriously don't want a title with, without Tim Bateman. And it's just, you know, it's the unsung heroes that goes behind the scenes around, you know, not many people in the public would understand how much of an influence a guy like that had on our group. And it's, it's a selfless, it's a selfless job as well. I think I look back at Tim, he could have played anywhere in the country at that time, you know, the last three years. And, you know, probably be starting or playing every single week. But... Whoa, 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 whoa. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> mate, <laughs> mate, oh, 100%. Oh, mate, oh, seriously, I reckon the way they're here. What's wrong with our midfield, mate? Oh, mate. Hey, what's wrong with that? Oh, Where's mate, he slipping in on our midfield, mate? I'm pretty sure Ringy might have been in his ear, mate. That's for sure. I'm pretty sure he might have been mate, in his ear. He wasn't coming to wear 12 or 13, I can assure you. <laughs> he would have been very similar to... Um, um, DJ and Reeks have got it on lock, mate. Oh, yeah, this year, absolutely, 100%, mate. You guys were, they were on fire. Because Sonny uh, Bill and Ma weren't that bad last yeah, year, Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, mate. He's just said he could have gone and started anywhere else in the comp, mate. We, we know you're good. We know you're good, but you're not that good. Oh, mate. Oh, I, I question that. Red and yeah. black brainwashing that's going on. Oh, mate, oh, what's mate, happening mate. down there? I'm a, I'm a canter, I just mate. couldn't let I'm it go. I would have been, I would have been. You know, killed if I'd let that go. <laughs> um, <laughs> Some of the best midfielders come through our team for years. <laughs> oh, um, but uh, yeah, but coming back to that point around those guys kind of experience, like, mate, I know Jack Hyden talking around DC and the amount of learnings that he got, you know, an idol of his, but that game management stuff that we've talked about a lot on the show, especially with those kind of positions, um, it can only be beneficial. And uh, I know for us personally, having a guy like that, um, he was massive for us and was definitely an unsung hero for us. Mm, but start anywhere in the country. Yeah, I'm only joking, <laughs> You can come join us. Sound yeah, like nice a, you're a great coach. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it also the fact that they can go overseas, experience a different culture, experience a couple of different cultures, and then come home? And there's a certain freshness that comes to you that allows your career to go on that you wouldn't get if you just tried to do it at home and it turned into more of a grind and a repetitive sameness? Oh, there's two ways of looking at it, because I've heard it's, you know, there's a lot of games overseas, maybe not Japan. You know, there's not as many, but they train pretty long hours. So 
Um, can't speak from experience, obviously, but it's still, you know, there's still an expectation. Like when they go overseas, they're paid, you know, they're normally the highest paid players. So you've got to perform and deliver. And we've seen, you know, the pressures of that can be the other way and, and sap you mentally. So it's not, it's not all, you know, roses anywhere, really. It's, it's I, I think, no, I just think it's maturing. You know, growing up, I don't think it's about going overseas and freshening up. I, I just think uh, people mature. Um, you know, Bryn and myself, we can say honestly, we're not, we were never like we are now back when we started, you know, and, and, and our willingness to probably help out teammates and stuff isn't the same when you're young and you're just wanting to crack. And, you know, I don't think it's about going overseas and freshening up. I think it's just about that maturity and, and I suppose the thrill of seeing what you once were in, in someone else and achieving that. And, 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 you know, almost if you can help someone along the way and, and then they go on and achieve their goals, you know, that's, that's a pretty cool thing. I suppose that's what coaches feel every day. Yeah. yeah you've become a bit of a father figure in the team, mate. No, nah, no, nah, not me, hey? man. I just, I just sit in the corner, kick stones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am now because the big fella's left. These are the oldest in the group, so right here. <laughs> no, but you, you, like the guys we've talked about, yeah. I don't think they would have been the way they were, you know, but it's, they're not that way because of their experience overseas. Sure. That way just because of the, their maturity is, I think it's because of the maturity of pe as people, not where they've been. Is there a team for both of you that you'd love to go and have a crack at overseas for, for whether it's for play, for culture, for whatever, a place you'd want to go and play outside of New Zealand that you'd be like, yeah, why not? I'd love to go to, I'd love to go to Saracens though. Yeah. I'd love to go to Saracens. We, um, come to the, the championship during, a, yeah, during <laughs> our, during our COVID, the COVID break, we were actually pretty lucky to actually talk to a couple of the, um, Saracens boys and, um, had some Zoom calls with them, so um, yeah, I just see that team are very, you know, they've got a lot of success around them and some quality players there. So um, if it was in if it was in Europe, Saracens would be a pretty cool spot. Maybe a brown paper bag full of money under the bed at some point. Chuck it under the bed, mate. Under the table, <laughs> put it under anywhere. It's all right. I'll keep a blind eye. <laughs> what about you, Jim? What, what, what about you, Jim? Oh, mate, I'd absolutely love to go join my Blues alumni at Bristol. <laughs> oh yeah, the Bristol Bears, Pet Lamb. Bristol Bears, mate. Mm. They, they look like they have plenty of fun when they play. And yep. based on... Uh, oh, they've got plenty of dough. Uh, it's all spent, though, so I'll be going for nothing. But, yeah, they, <laughs> that looks like a bit of fun. Tom Thomas Wardrum told me Exeter Chiefs is a hell of a lot of fun and, and they've got a great, great environment. Um, and from what I can see, Jerome and, and Charlie and, and Piraki are, are loving to lose. So, yes, yeah. um, I think anywhere in France would be pretty cool. Mm. You know, like I think I think it'd be pretty cool experiencing their culture and, yeah. and the way they do things over there. And obviously, they love a scrum, so that suits me. I find it um, France out like you know, because being a being a halfback in game management is, is massive, and communication is massive. You know, I think you know going to France and you know it'd be be it'd be good, it'd be an awesome lifestyle experience, I reckon. But again, yeah, I reckon for me, I'd have to learn French pretty much. Yeah, but I think French. that's what it, I think that's what it's about. You know, yeah, you, you look at the players that you know sort of immersed themselves in the culture, um, mm. you know, became you know long lost sons of the of the place. You, know, you look at mm. Luke McAllister; he was over there for a number of years, and yeah, you know, he's you know, he was he's 
speaking fluent and yeah I, I just think I think that's part of the experience isn't it, it is learning the language mm. the culture and just going all in yep. no point going over there half-assed bro get into that culture <laughs> mate. <laughs> yep. you have to learn a new language you went to Canterbury anyway what do they speak down there one eyed, one eyed, one eyed down there. Nah, <laughs> good comms down there. <laughs> not bad, not bad. Chip word, no? Um, so the All Blacks are in camp, uh, right now. You guys heard much from uh, any of your mates in camp about what it's like to be in the All Blacks this year, considering everything that's going on. Um, I had to talk to a couple of the Crusader boys, and they said they just loved um, being a different life, being in Fakatane. I can't imagine the last time the All Blacks were in were in Fakatane. So I can imagine the, especially with Level One uh, being um, in in the rest of New Zealand, what an experience that would have been. So I think for me, seeing a hucker as well, and you know, being in that kind of um, that kind of place, I know it would have been really really special for a lot of those boys. So, but um, haven't heard haven't heard too much. I don't know. What about you, Jip? I caught up with Pups yesterday, uh, Dalton Papaliti, and um, he he seemed pretty relaxed. He sounded like it was a good camp. Um, you know, into the into their work, but also had some good good fun. Um, but yeah, nothing really to report at the moment. Um, Pups is a pretty casual guy though, so he's he's not he's not going to get into too much rugby chat. But um, it sounded it sounded like it was, it was fairly relaxed by all accounts. He's a guy who could play a big role. There's a lot of rugby in a short period of time um, with his ability to play all those different positions through the loose forward trio. He could oh. be a big part of this. Yeah, well, he's he's got a fractured nose. He told me, and a split eye. Um, so he's 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 definitely uh, he's prepared to throw his body anywhere and everywhere. So, oh, look, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, you know, and, and it's not through a bias fact either. It's like you just got to look at his numbers and, and look at his, you know, his his game um, and and what he's prepared to do. But mm. the biggest thing about his game is he's a power athlete. You know, he's just so explosive and. And when you've got someone explosive that's as mad as a cut snake that'll run and run through a brick wall if you tell him to, you know, he, he's, he's, he's going to be a great six, seven or eight, isn't he? Yeah. He seems like a guy with some leadership ability too. Like he's a, a guy, he's a follow me kind of guy. Yeah, I definitely think he will in time. But I think the best thing for him right now is just focus on himself, nail that, and then that stuff will take care of itself. I, I, I think, you know, there's no point putting pressure on when there's so much leadership experience already in that All Black team. I think he's a guy that will relish just focusing on on the playing side of things. And I think in time, you know, sitting under those guys, learning from them um, will be massive for him. And, and and he'll get those leadership opportunities. He's in our leadership group at, at the Blues. So those those opportunities will come at a level below. But at that level, he just needs to nail down and kill his role um, and nail his training week, I think. Mm-hmm. What do we expect out of this um, this year from the All Blacks? I mean, I know we always expect every win for every game from the All Blacks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we're coming out of a World Cup, which was dreadfully disappointing. We are going into a championship that's really kind of all over the place. The preparations certainly haven't been what they normally are. What expectations should we have? And what expectations do we have for the All Blacks out of the rugby championship outside of winning? Oh, I think for me, like with all the off-field stuff and just knowing the rivalry there, I, I just think it's must be must be building up, must be festering to just make a statement on the field. And yep. you know, Dave Rennie, there's been a lot said, and, and myself has said it as well about 
what he can do to that Wallabies team and the expectation. And, you know, there's a lot of chat about them, but there's not a lot about the All Blacks and, and their new coaching group, is it? So I feel like that must be bubbling underneath them. And I just have a, I, I don't know, I just have a feeling that they're really using that and they'll utilise that as motivation to sort of explode out of the blocks and make a statement, I think, on the field rather than do too much talking beforehand. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think and I think the loss of a World Cup as well. You know, that'll if that doesn't motivate you as a group coming back, I don't know. I don't know what would what, what would. So, I think what those the points that Jip said as well. I think there's been a lot of talk around around the Australians and the the appointment of, of Dave Rennie. And we've been massive advocates around how of a good decision it's going to be for them. But yeah, I think you know there's going to be a lot of guys there that um, that'll be hungry to to get the wrongs of the World Cup. And I know you know they'll be moving on from that. But you know just. It'd still sting a couple of them, so I think getting a chance to get on the field and you know, very we're lucky, you know, fortunate that we're going to be playing be playing Test footy. Whereas I think probably three or four months ago, or even before that, we were thinking, man, are we going to have any internationals? So um, no, mate, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be an awesome one, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how Australia go because you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of talk around them, and you know it's a young it's a young yeah. a lot of young young faces, um, ones that I'm really looking forward to that I've that I watched during their Super Rugby AU and. Um, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing how David Rennie responds and um, I guess he goes well in these Bledisloe Cups. I also reckon just the way it's ended up, like with us having the tests here, so the first bit of test match rugby is at home, home soil. You never ever want to lose in an all-back jersey on home soil. So boom, that's motivating you. Then you're going over to the rugby championship and we know all the debating that's gone on about that and... You look at what it did for the Warriors and galvanising them as a group and mm. that fizzing motivation to just win at all costs and, and prove people wrong and, you know, just take take from them, you know, the, the rugby championship and bring it back here to New Zealand. I think all those factors has just probably panned out perfectly in terms of, you know, motivating and, and kick-starting them to their next tenure on focusing to that 2023 World Cup with a lot of new mm. faces a lot, um, some experienced guys coming back, but it just seems to be, as I say, it just feels like it's bubbling underneath that water, and it's just, it's ready to go. Yep. I think, it's, I think um, people in general are ready for it as well. There's been that much talk about it. I don't know. I, I can't wait to see the. I just can't wait to see it. So I can imagine the fans all around New Zealand and Australia looking forward to it as well. Oh, there was an NRL chat there. Jeff, I can have to bring that in. Sorry, nice boy. Nice boy. But but speaking of the Warriors, I mean, the Warriors discovered the ups and downs of being in another country for a long period of time. Obviously, they were there for longer than the the six or so weeks that the All Blacks will be there. Um, are the All Blacks because they're used to one month touring, World Cups, and things, maybe in a better position to handle that than the Warriors were? Do you think? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I, I think so because it's at nine weeks is nine weeks. There's the quarantine situation. It's different. It's a different challenge, but a challenge I think they'll take on rather than complaining about. Like once it's set in stone and they've sorted out all the if they're in at Christmas, if they're not, is it the fifth? Is it the twelfth? Whenever that's all sorted out, I think it'll be. I think it'll be used as motivation. I would use it as motivation. Yeah, I think one thing as well is that they're pretty fortunate that there's going to be a lot of players over there as well. And so I think, you know, even though the Warriors had a good opportunity to, to grab lone players, there were some times in the games where they just had that many injuries and they just couldn't put out, a, even though they played bloody well, they just couldn't put in a team that, you know, was was just a lot of guys that hadn't played a lot of, a lot of footy. Whereas us, 
we're going to possibly, you know, what have we got there now? 32, 34, and then you're going to bring in another 11. So I think our depth during that time, the time period, it'll be tough time period wise, but I think we'll, we'll manage pretty, pretty seamlessly, I reckon. So do you bring in that 11 midway through or do you take them over at the start? I don't think you take them over at the start. I don't think, because then they can actually play, they can actually play Mighty Cup footy as well. So they can keep continuing to play footy. Um, and then look, if it gets to a stage where, I, I yeah, whether they take them together as, a, as 11, then you, you you could, but I think it'd be just good for them to play Mighty Cup for as long as they can. And then once they make the decision that they want the 11 over there, then take them over. Yeah. And then they know what their role is, whether that be, you know, what Jip has alluded to around getting this, running that 23, getting the opportunity if that opportunity does come through injury and then being over there. So, yeah, what do you reckon, Jip? Yeah, oh, look, I think it's, it's a tough challenge to keep people game ready when they're not mm. getting the game. So the longer they can leave them in Ten Cup, the yep. better it is for them, but it's the, be- the better it is for the All Blacks as well for, um, you know, getting them over there. It, it, it's a balancing act, though, because yep. there's always going to be that two-week crawl. It's actually not even two weeks, is it? It's three, is it three days or four days? But then it's two weeks in total before they could play. Mm. So... Um, I actually don't know how it works, but it, it's it's yeah you've got to keep them playing, but you've got to have them there available as well. So yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of debate going on internally about exactly what that looks mm. like. So it's not well, then Jim, do you reckon though? Do you reckon they'd, they'd possibly name it name an eleven that who it's going to be, but then keeping a selected few to stay in New Zealand, get them to play rugby, and then take the guys that they want over there early on? Do you reckon that's possible? Yeah, well. There's enough, you know, early on, there's enough in the squad to cover it. Yeah. It's just, depending on injuries, you've got to understand that if there's a number of injuries, then, mm. yeah, and you need some of those 11, there's that 14-day period where it's a, <laughs> well, we've never been through it before, is it? So, you know, yeah. there's going to be, it's a punt either way. You, you know, if you take them early and then you don't use them, you're probably thinking, oh, we could have left them. And then if you don't take them and then you need them, uh, it's not yeah. a decision I'd be uh, wanting to make because, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think they'll find a midway point between, okay, what's the latest we can leave them? What's the earliest we can take them? Okay, let's find somewhere in the middle. Yep. Um, and maybe having those guys who can play multiple positions becomes even more key crucial. in that situation. Yeah, uh, crucial. 100%. If you can cover lock six, um, you know, even eight, to a point, you know, that's why I brought up a guy like Tom Robinson. If he can keep fit and fresh, he's locked six, eight, you know, he, he'll yep. go anywhere. Mm. Yeah. Um, and even the likes of like David Harvilli as well, he can come. Yeah. Well, even, exactly you know, Mitch Hunt, that's why I thought they could take all three. You know, they're all 10, 15s. Dave mm. Harvilli can cover midfield. Yep. Um, it's, yeah, I think that'll be the crucial part of the selection. They'll have to take some specialists, probably an extra hooker prop. Potentially a halfback. Yeah, possibly, yeah, possibly, yeah. yeah, possibly a nine, yep, yeah, possibly, yep. Yeah. Is your, is your phone ringing? Or? Yeah. <laughs> I noticed you hydrating just before. There was a good message to the coach. Yeah. He's really, he's really. What a big week for Harbour. Come on, come on, lads. Yeah. yeah. Bounce back versus Tasman. Courtesy <laughs> of a thrilling performance by Bram Hall. <laughs> what a place to bounce back, though. Yeah, look, it is, mate. I think, um, yeah, whenever you get a chance to to go up against the best, it's um, you know, it's an awesome opportunity for us. And um, yep, we're obviously in a bit of a rut, which is uh, which is not ideal. But you know, for us, and the beauty of this competition is that you can't you can't rest on things too for too long. So we know if we don't we don't prepare well or 
um, get certain things right, then, you know, we're in for a long night and we don't want to be embarrassed. You know, we know how, um, how much pride we have in our jersey and, you know, we're bloody disappointed with the result, especially um, how we were on the weekend. Um, so we've got a lot to play for. We've got a lot, of, a lot to play for and put some pride back in our jersey after um, some probably subdued performances in the last two against Whitecat and Southland. So if we're not, I mean, we're in for a tough night, but no, we're in a good spot where I think we can get ourselves out of that and, and looking forward to the challenge that's coming ahead for us on, on Sunday evening. I spoke to Joey Wheeler and I just said, could he whip up a song to motivate us again like last year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you saw it, Ross, but um, Joey Wheeler made this song basically saying how average we were and how good Tasman was <laughs> and that we stole their coach and all this and we had it playing all week just on repeat, just fizzing. Um, I we didn't actually end up winning or did we? I can't remember, but um, he said to me that... Um, they told him after that, they're like, mate, stop making songs. It's motivating teams to come and come and dust us up. <laughs> Maybe a song for Mark Tillier this weekend. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's one that hasn't got away. Yeah. Still, yeah. Andrew Goodman, mate. Come on, mate. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously, mate. Uh, Take one of our is, is, anyone, group, mate. is anyone lining them up, mate? Is anyone lining them up? Well, we had a day off. We've always had a day off today, so coming back from Invercargill. So, um, yeah, I can imagine there'd be yeah some nice some nice words to Mark, which is um, which would be good. So no, he's playing bloody well. Mark of the words, mate. Let's get into him. Let's get stuck into him. Well, mate, I know how hard it is to tackle the guy. So, mate, tell uh, Ethan Roots. Yeah. Tell Ethan Roots that you know he said something about Harvard being shit. Get him fired yeah. up. Fire the big fella right up. Yeah, just chuck some seeds out there, eh? Chuck some seeds yeah. out there, mate. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm hoping for a win for Harvard. I want the counties as well. Between oh, all yeah. of our teams, we are double donutting. They should have won yesterday. They were in prime position. Um, yeah. Kieran Reid was killing it, and they just sort of came out of, after the break and stopped playing. Like They went to the corner early on in that first half, and then they came out of the break and took the three after Northland had scored. It would have been, a, I reckon, a, a good opportunity to kick to the corner and go back to driving more of the work and sort of stunt the momentum of Northland. But Northland just... Man, just um, just on that, Jim, mate. As a as a purist hooker, you know how good is it, mate? Seeing hookers scoring tries, mate. And just it. the I rolling ball, it, mate. I love it how it's this year, mate. Oh, mate. I know. I'm seriously, mate. I'm watching every single footy game, and I'm like, oh, five minute drive. Oh, here we go. Try here. Freebies for hookers, hooker. eh? Oh, mate. Top, mate top. Where was it? Where was it? Last ten years. <laughs> like, oh. Mate, mate. When, when you're all hanging out on the wing. Mate, oh, <laughs> mate. seriously, mate. bugger, 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 uh, mate, bugger. Don't come at me about that. <laughs> That's Colsey's fault, mate. That's Colsey's fault that we're on the wing. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. bugger all these wings, now, man. It's all the now, now, now everyone wants to be Malcolm course. Marks, you know. Malcolm Marks has changed it back to the old school way, you know. <laughs> yeah, geez, it feels like someone's paid someone to change laws to make the, uh, the line-out drive far more important, and it was a hooker. Yeah, well, they're smart men. That's all I do know. They're great at pulling strings. Yeah. There's, there's got to be some bonuses being written into contracts for tries from line-out drives. Well, not if you're in Dalton Papali's team, because I tell you what, I was at the back of one of the Blues and he just ripped it off me and scored a double. I said, you greedy bastard. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, that should be against the rules. Oh, mate, Tom Coventry said, is Jipper talking to you yet? I was on the Monday meeting. I was like, no, not not at all. <laughs> hey, I'm sure he had faith in you. Oh, mate, he was just greedy, mate. You, honestly, you watch the replay. He just he just 
Points out on me like I'm uh, on the opposition. <laughs> Selfless, mate, Jip, mate. Selfless. Oh, yeah. I yeah. just thought, that's all I thought. I said, if we get into a tussle here, we'll knock it on and both look like idiots. <laughs> They'd be throwing you out of the hookers club for that. Oh, you know, just team first, Ross. Team first. Team first, yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of team first, Michael Hooper strikes me as the guy who's a bit team first. Like, do you like him being recount, recalled as the uh, captain for the Wallabies? Yeah. Look, I don't think there's anyone more fitting in that squad to do the job. But two, and look, I don't know this, um, but I'm I'm assuming there was a chat that, you know, it's up for grabs that that Rennie would have had with him. Um, And I just think you've got to look at the way he played in that Super Rugby AU and and also the way he led um, when Rob Simmons wasn't there. She was a no-brainer. Yeah, he set the challenge out there, I reckon, as the new coach. And um, as, a, as a previous skipper, he responded the exact way you'd want, want yep. a skipper to respond. Yep. Yeah, no comments to the coach about his skinnies, though, I'm sure. From no, no, no. I don't think he needs to worry. Tom, uh, Tom Christie, oh, that's a good one, man. He still hasn't <laughs> lived it down, poor bugger. <laughs> Does that many crunches because of it. He did it the whole year. He's just had Hooper in his ear. Just, oh, yeah. Hooper's living rank free in his head. Tell him to get over it. <laughs> You're fat, mate. <laughs> he needs a weight shed. Yeah. One like guy a fighter. That I, one guy that I am looking forward to playing is, um, I'm, I'm hoping, he's obviously had a few injuries, but Jordan Pataya. He's he's one guy that um, man that I've got that I watch. I'm just like man, he could be if he can get it right. He's given the opportunity and can stay healthy. He's a guy that I think is going to be um, can take the world on fire. So he's a guy that I'm looking forward to seeing in, in that um, in that team because I saw a stat as well that there's only six guys that are over 31 in that in that squad. So uh, this new cab rank that they're coming off. Yes, they've got experience, which is which I think you need in the team, and they've got that sprinkled in there, but. It's going to be a lot of names during the Splitters Like Cup and this rugby championship that we're going to hear about. And, you know, Jordan Pataia for me is a guy that I'm really looking forward to. I don't know. What about you, Jip? Who's your 9-10? Because you can only set guys like that alight if if you get those. Oh, oh, I yeah. think O'Connor has to be at 10. Yep. Yeah, I was, you, yeah, if, yeah, I was thinking if, that. If you're going to go with, you know, that sort of youth, I think you can set set them alike. Yeah, it's a great opportunity for those nines. Um, you know, if you think about yeah. Will Guinea, you know, Will Guinea and even Nick Phipps, you know, probably the last decade, those have been the two halfbacks. And then you've got Nick White who's, who's come back in, who, you know, obviously has that experience and has, and has played footy as well. But, you know, you've got, like, you know, the likes of Jake Gordon, the guy from the Reds as well. well what's his name? The, um, oh, McDermott, 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 McDermott. You know, he's fantastic. Ooh. Unbelievable in the AU. So yeah. it's going to be a great opportunity for those nines. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how they go. Um, you know, against Nuggy and you know the our boys as well. I come back to that. Joe just, it, yeah, Joe Powell as well. It just depends how they're going to how they want to play. You know, do they want can, to play? It's got to be Gordon, a, doesn't it? It's got to be Gordon on form. If he's picking on form, I know McDermott's gone well. Yeah, man, like Waratah's turned around on the back of his ability to run around that rack and well, that's it. Uh, do you, is that is that the yeah again if that's the selection that you know do you go through is that what they're looking for or not or do you want a guy like McDermott who gets that ball out quick has that running game is a little bit obviously smaller than Gordon but yeah it's going to be interesting mate because I don't know really like if you look at like I just go based off what he's had in the past yeah. you know Kerbalo yeah he likes that running yep. abrasive nine doesn't he he's, he's yeah. not yeah yeah it'll be interesting we'll, we'll soon find out yeah. Yeah. we will mate. Two weeks. So what's your money on, mate? What's your money on? For who? McDermott or Gordon? Yeah, McDermott or Gordon. 
I'm yeah. You've, you've just reeled me in there, Jip, because I was going to go with Dave. Well, that's it. That's it. The uh, you know the, the 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 experience that Nick White has, you can afford to have. You know, but I, mate, I'm going to go. Oh, I'm I'm going to go Gordon, mate, because you've you've talked about it. You, you talked about the past yeah. with Polu and Kubalo, those kind of types of players. Yeah. Jake Gordon fits right into that. But then McDermott yeah. as well. He's he'd be oh, pretty good off the bench as Gordon, well. Gordon O'Connor, surely. Hmm. That sounds like a hell for leather style of play. Like, you pick O'Connor and him, you've got a guy who loves to take on the line, a guy who likes to be creative, a guy who likes to do things that some people can't do in O'Connor, and suddenly you've got a Wallabies backline that's friggin' scary. Mm. But you've got a lot of youth outside that, that needs to be unlocked, and I think that can be unlocked by that flat at the line ability to make decisions to, you know, run, pass, kick get that game management stuff balanced up. Um, you know, we spoke about it, you know, from the Thames and the All Blacks, you know, Bowden Barrett, flat to line, looks the best. Uh, Josh Juani's the same. Richie Moanga, you know, flat, loves getting in behind those forwards and, and creating options. So I think, you know, and Rennie's already complimented the way O'Connor's turned himself around and, and all that, but I just think his skill set, his confidence at the moment, he's playing, he's playing confident. Um, and he's playing form, and, and all I keep hearing out of that camp is you're going to be picked on form. Mm. It's great to see James O'Connor, man, coming back and you know, getting himself into um, into the, the the picture where he is now, mate. Because you know you think about you know his his roller coaster, and you know we talk about maturity, Jip, and I think you know you see it in, in his play now. But even the way he holds himself, you look mm. at the guy that was at the Melbourne Rebels to where he is now, and his experience that he's had. Um, you know, I think it's a but, great. I think that, that goes back to that maturity and mm. that maturing we spoke about earlier. Yeah. Is he's probably now like a coach on the grass as yep. well, you know, through his own experiences and and having someone like him in the environment with all these new young men and mm. where their careers can go, you know, he's he's a he's the perfect sounding board. Yeah. Or the perfect person to say, you know, knock that on the head, otherwise, you know, you're going down a tough road. So yep. I think it's exciting. I think the young Brumbies fly half, Flavio will be on the bench um, if fit, and you know even Tamil could potentially be on that bench because he can play the midfield, hmm. cover fullback. Would he provide a little bit of solidarity at twelve if they started him at twelve? Tamil, Tamil, yeah, yep. You know I what you're going to get. Both. You know what you're going to get with him. Hmm. Yeah. Does he play a bit deep, bro? Oh, to a certain to a certain extent, it just it just depends. Like sometimes he does, and then sometimes he doesn't. But I think I think for me, if I think of an inside, maybe an inside back, and you've got a lot of um, a lot of young guys around you, having that steady head that just gives you confidence around game management and communication, it just it just really helps you. So um, I agree that there's going to be a lot of enthusiasm and energy in young guys, which I think it's been it should be based on form, but no, having guys like Tamora. Well, yeah, he's been playing well as well. Don't yeah, having he guys like play, He could definitely play 12. He could definitely yeah. play 12. Yeah. It could yeah. go the other way. He could play at 10 and O'Connor at 12. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think having a, having a guy like that, whether he's at 10 or 12, I think it's going to be pretty, yeah, good to have a conversation around it. Mm. A lot of chat about Harry Wilson as well. He's a guy with some potential. Yeah, I love it how he's doing the softening up in the media already. A good approach. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. What did he say? 
And he was saying Hoskins and Tedu could be the best number eight in the world. Um, oh, great ploy. He doesn't think yeah. it. Pump him up. It's a great ploy. <laughs> you reckon it's Rennie, mate? <laughs> no, I just think it's it's a bit of Brad Thorne. Maybe they're just, just yeah, nice. under that regime and just saying don't, don't disrespect them because that will motivate them. Yeah. Um, you know, he was the biggest advocate when, you know, the Wallabies were into the All Blacks or, you know, we all know the infamous Quade Cooper, Richie McCaw um, incident. Oh, I just, it's, it looks like it's come straight out of a school of thorn for me. Oh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he means it at all. He's a smart man, mate. Smart man yeah. taking advice from Thorny. <laughs> it could be, I mean, we're used to Wallabies being maybe a little bit more abrasive, a little bit more confident and cocky and, and chatty about their own abilities. Is this maybe a, a Dave Rennie grounded approach? Oh, oh. look. I think, like, I genuinely think he he's, hasn't been there long enough to make that, you know, imprint just yet. I honestly think a lot of it's, uh, well, he's a Reds player. Honestly, the, the influence of Thorne on, on the Reds boys and, and what standards he expects is, it's even in the way they play, it's the, even in the way they hold themselves. Um, so I, I think it's probably more credit to the, the way the Reds have been run at this stage. But with... Rennie there, he that's the sort of characters he likes as well. So there'll be a there'll be a continuation of those messages and and will you know flow through to their performances. Yeah. Well, where do we see the table sitting? Like if you're looking now, a few weeks out from this whole thing starting, uh, with the favourites, you'll actually would have to think go in as favourites. Um, yeah, will it be definitely. Second, you'd have to think the Aussies would have to be second, just with the amount of footy they've played. You know. You know, South Africa and, and that, you know, they're just at a bit of a disadvantage. We haven't been able to play a lot of footy. So I think, you know, and they'll have time through the duration of the competition to get to get into things. But man, that preparation time and being able to play footy, a whole competition and being able to iron out a lot of things, you know, I think they're going to be the second favourites. But then and they're, the South Africans are the world champions as well, you know, so you, know, you can't underestimate them. So they're, the you know, so. The pressure's on the All Blacks and Wallabies. They, we can say they're favourites, they're second favourites, this is a third favourite. doesn't really matter. There is absolutely no pressure on that South African side. Mm. No. There's absolutely no expectation. No. And to me, that makes them very, very dangerous. Mate, that's the word, yeah. How like, are you? Uh, you know, people say the disadvantage of not playing, but like no one expects them to come down here and win. So, one, that's motivating. Two, you just like... You know, as a player, it's like release the shackles, have a crack. See, you know, like Jim, it no, could be a very similar situation oh. to like the Warriors, mate. Galvanizing. Oh, you know, man, you, I, think, I mate, just... you think about the media that the Warriors got given around. You know, you think about Gus Gould. Funnily enough, is going to be with them next year, but the message said, you know, they're going to win two games. Yeah. They're going to do this and do that, mate. And mate, you know how proud the South Africans are, and you know, so they should be there. Exactly way. that. So all they've been reading is people writing them off. Another world it, champions. It's dangerous, man. I don't, I'm, mate. They're going to be dangerous, motivated. Yeah, but that's why I don't think you can put a favourite to it. It's, it's. Oh, yeah. I don't want to fuel their motivation, so I'll just say they're all equal. Mate, we just build up the rugby championship here, mate. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to watch it. Come on, get the starter. <laughs> I'm reserving judgment on the South Africans until I see that squad. Um, because see, Ross, it's guys like you, mate. It's guys like you that are going to fuel them in the newspapers, mate. But pretty much most of their World Cup squad is up in Europe these days. Um, you know, and 
how many of those French teams are going to release their players for this rugby championship, which goes on into December, which is outside of the test window. Um, and then how many of these players, I think Sia Khaleesi is already out. You know, I want to see that squad before I, I take a look because they've got six weeks. They're going to be low on depth. From what I understand, the reason that they're playing until December 12 is because Argentina and South Africa felt that they didn't have the depth to do midweek games as well. Uh, they're already casting judgment on themselves. I, I'm waiting to see that squad. Mate, as rugby, play, oh. I think as, as rugby players, mate, like you know, for guys that haven't played a lot, they'll be that they'll be that hungry. I'm, I'm cast judgment on myself publicly too to even release more pressure. It's just, yeah, I just I reckon they'll be a surprise package. Yeah, and they're the world champs as well. It's amazing as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that world champ team might not be here though. You know, like including their captain already. Yeah, it's such a key member of that team. Yeah. Man, I hope Cheslin yeah. Colby's here, man, because oh, Cheslin Colby has been outrageous up north in the last few weeks. Oh, he is. He is. He's, but he's just been in outrageous form for two years. Mm. Um, I don't, yeah, I agree. Toulouse probably aren't that keen. But they've got enough hot setters up there. Peter Key's stepping through every other team as well. So they'll be right without him for a couple of weeks, surely. <laughs> um, so what do you guys make of this scheduling controversy like I mean obviously you're both employed by NZR so I'm not expecting you to make any massive calls but how have you seen everything happen how have you seen it play out what have you made of the way it's played out oh it just sounds like maybe you know the communication ones have not been connected but I just don't think it's set in stone I think they'll come to a solution that'll work for all yep. we're in we're in a, a position where we've never been before. Um, everyone's learning as we go. There will be mistakes. There will be uh, miscommunications. There will be misinterpretations. Um, and that's just the nuts and bolts of it. But I still think that they'll get to a solution that works for all. Uh, I don't think it's set in stone. And, and even if it is set in stone, it'll, it's, it's still going to be under further consultation I just I just think there just needs to be a, a little bit of you know you don't want to create any more hysteria around it from from a player's point of view you also don't want to create any more hysteria around it because it's already a challenging situation and yep. the last thing I'd want is that hysteria to take away test rugby from us yep. um, so I, I think it's just best to let the powers of be sorted out they sort it out once it's set in stone and every party's happy then we just get over there and play footy and I think that's the thing for us. We just want we just want it set in stone. You know, that's the biggest thing for players. You know, we, you know, yes, we might be in the decision making process around it, but when it comes to it, you know, once that decision's made, then you can actually we'll be able to plan out and we'll be happy with that. So, and like like um, Chipper said a lot, and previously when we're talking around these issues, you know, players will be involved in those decisions, and so you know, we've got a pretty good system around the NZRPA and um, and guys that. Um, they need to be there to make those decisions. So you know, once it's set in stone, and um, I think 2020s, you know, that year where um, you've just got to be forget not not forgiving, but understanding. You know, it's never happened, never happened before, and um, you know, for us, it's more so just being aware. And then again, once it happens and it's set in stone, I think we'll be good to go. I really hope it turns out to be a classic one, like that all the teams get down to the last couple of weeks with a chance 
because uh, that's kind of what we really need this year, isn't it? We need a competition which is tough and and even. So, you know, all the things that we've gone through, all the things that have overcome have been worthwhile, you know? It, it, does, it didn't turn out lopsided and the All Blacks won everything and ran away with it, you know? Yeah, I don't think it will. I think I just, yeah, it's, it's such a new beginning for all teams. Mm. You know, the All Blacks, Wallabies, we've spoken about South Africa and, and their squad, Argentina. So uh, I, I think it would be pretty hard to run away with the comp. Um, but... Yeah, I think if anything, in the early parts of the competition, New Zealand and Australia might have an advantage just because they've played. Yeah, it might, mm. it might take a couple of weeks for the South Africans and the Argentinians to get a day rust off. Um, but once they get in and they played a couple of games, then I think we're going to see a pretty competitive competition moving forward. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.